Picture it, Los Angeles, 2022. Welcome to Out on the Lanai, the only Golden Girls podcast you're ever going to need to listen to. I am H. Allen Scott slash City Pines. And I'm Carrie Doherty. And this is a podcast where we used to watch an episode of the Golden Girls and then talk about it, but we ran out of episodes. So now we're breaking down all 24 episodes of The Golden Palace, which of course is a spinoff of The Golden Girls and is currently streaming in the U.S. on Hulu. Yes, and we just watched season one, episode five, titled Ebb Tide for the Defense, which aired on October 16th, 1992, and is the one where the women overbook the hotel with lawyers and judges, and Chewie finally confronts the man who slept with his wife, and also I could spend no less than one hour dissecting the acting choices made by the man who plays Angel of Death. I have so many thoughts about this episode. I, when I was watching it, I was thinking like, I have so much I need to talk about with Carrie about this because I had I don't recall ever seeing this episode and I don't either it's a wild one I will say it's not bad it's not great but it does possess greatness within it that I definitely am very eager to have a conversation about which we will in when it gets to it in the recap I'm very excited yeah I'm very excited we have a lot to talk about I agree with you it's not as good as Miles we hardly knew ye yeah um but it's it's good. It's good. There was some good yeah. stuff. There was some notice, really quotable stuff. I don't know if your Hulu is showing this, but on my Hulu, because I oh, I think I, I know what you're going to say. Yeah, uh, there's they show a picture from another episode of Miles and Blanche at the reception desk, and I I kid you not, I made sure I had coffee, I had food in my stomach, I was fully mentally prepared to be angry at Miles' return. I was I was so scared that Miles was going to show up in this episode that, in fact, it was like the calls coming from inside the house. The whole time, the whole episode, I was like, where's Miles? Where's Miles? He's coming. He's in the bit. He's in the tag. Oh, my God. Where's Miles? I was so stressed. You thought he was just going to like Samuel Plankmaker you and like run in from out on the lanai at the hotel. This episode was kind of like a Jordan Peele horror movie in that you never know who's going to pop up. And that was my Miles this episode. So I noticed that as well. Yeah, the thumbnail shows Miles leaning up against the reception desk, I think talking to either Blanche or Rose. Um, I also noticed that in the two-parter with B. Arthur, where she guest stars, I think they also had an incorrect thumbnail. So we need to contact the people at Hulu and tell them what kind of stress and anguish and anxiety this is causing us who click on the episode thinking, oh, dear God, here comes Miles. Now, Miles does return. Yes. So he does come back, um, but it was not in this episode. God, thank God. I... Haha Network, I would like you to get your lawyers and your PR people to contact Hulu, which is owned by Disney, and ask them to fix this immediately because Golden Girls fans will need an Ativan before watching this episode if they're anything like me. Yeah, yeah. If you guys could get on it, just like email. I'm assuming the founder is like Howard Hulu and his yeah. email is probably like Howard Hulu at Disney.net or something. Let's just let's get on that. Oddly created Howard the Duck. I mean, it was like his <laughs> alter ego and that didn't work out for him. So he'd be created Hulu bonkers. But also, Howard Hulu is a duck. Yeah, Howard Hulu the duck. Yeah, the the, duck you could argue the most successful duck that's ever owned and operated a streaming platform (laughs) for television shows and movies, both existing IP and original content. Oh God. I love it. I actually love Hulu a lot. Um, before we get into the episode, there are some things I should, I want to bring up 
beforehand that are Golden Girls related. Um, first off, they did announce Sadie Pine's involvement in the Golden Girls con. So come to that in Yay. April. We get in April, April 21st or 2nd, I forget. Um, but you can get tickets now, which is really exciting. Uh, and so I'll be there. Ellie Glazer will be there. So many great other Golden Girls. Daniel, D- Daniel Soto, who had a great podcast um, where she like diagnosed problems of people and use episode of the Golden Girls to like diagnose them or to like treat them or whatever. Really, really funny thing. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be a fun weekend. It's fair. I'm so excited that you're going and you'll be able to represent on behalf of Out on the Lanai. I, I wish I could go. I, I will, wish I, I could will. go embrace everybody from a distance. Um, but there are also two podcasts that I want golden girls podcasts that I want to mention because they're so fun and I communicate with them online and they're, they're fantastic. Um, now we should say when we started this podcast, there were no other golden girls. It was, it was nomads land back in what year was that? 2014. I believe it was 1987 that we started the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) No, but when we started the podcast, I, like I said to you, when we first met, when we first met at my birthday party in, in 2014, I was like, okay, I, I will only do it if there's no other Golden Girls podcast because I want to be the first. Like I, we need to be the first. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm very proud that we were for a brief moment the first before the avalanche came. Uh, and now there are so many wonderful Golden Girls podcasts. And what's great about this is the Golden Girls community is it's so big, it's so wide, so many different takes on the Golden Girls. And if you want to do a podcast about the Golden Girls, you can do that now, which is amazing. So I really support and love all of the Golden Girls podcasts. Even out. though even though at the beginning of our show, we say the only Golden Girls yeah. podcast you're ever well, going to need to listen to. And we to. still say that because... We Might were, all others. We were the first. But I will say the Golden Girls love is out there. And you know... Some we're not everybody's taste. Trust me. I see the reviews. I know some people really hate me. And so like, it's fine. It's fine. There are plenty of other Golden Girls podcasts out there in the world. And two of them that I would like to mention is one's called Enough Wicker, which is just like two great hosts. They 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 go episode by episode. And it's just such a fun, relaxed like I think they're based in New York City. I forget. But they're it's a fun and Enough Wicker is like a great name. And like enough, such a great name, such yeah. a great name for a podcast. The other one is called So Good We Named It, which literally had me cackling. Um, it's a new podcast. They will also be at Golden Girls Con. So I'm looking forward to meeting them. Uh, but it's 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 like it's from the Golden Girls episode where Dorothy is talking. It's when about she's is she talking about sleeping with Glenn, the married man. Is that what she's talking about? It was so good. We named it. I think it's from the last episode of the Golden Girls with with uh, sex with what's his name, who she married. Um, with Leslie Nielsen? I think so, which I mean, I, I forget the exact, I mean, there's so many episodes, I forget the exact reference, but I do remember the quote and is which she like yells, she's like, it's so good we named it. And it's just, it's such a good name for a podcast. So that's a, that's a wonderful one as well. So yeah, I wanted to give some love to the Golden Girls community. And if you're doing- You're right, it is from, she's talking about yeah. Lucas- yeah, I'm not great on facts. You're wow. definitely the facts person, but sometimes I get them right. Sometimes, wow. which I, I notice sometimes in the reviews or the replies that people get very angry at me that my memory is not as great with facts and everything. I will say, though, in the reviews, when people call me out for not having great memory, I will. I'm not I don't fall back on chemo a lot, but I will say chemo did fuck my memory in a lot of ways. And that is one area where like, sometimes I'm like, I just can't remember certain facts about certain things. Like it's just all in my head and it's mushy. 
It's very brain, very brain. Also, there were 180 episodes of The Golden Girls. (laughs) That's a lot of hours of television. We're going to mix it up sometimes. We're human. Golden Girls fans are very harsh. If you get get one thing wrong, I mean, because they're so devoted, which I love. I love the devotion, but- there's there was one reviewer I remember who was like he gets so much wrong he's gross and I'm like ouch <gasps> ouch why? that's not constructive criticism why? that's just criticism that's just be mean nice just be nice I mean it's fine but I mean I don't mind I take I trust me the internet does not bother me but that said there are so many other amazing Golden Girls fans out there doing so many other amazing Golden Girls things that the options for you to listen to Golden Girls content is literally endless and we are so glad that we were maybe a do- the first domino in the dominoes falling of all of the wonderful golden girls things that came in the podcast world so that is a I'm, i love to see it and so good we named it in enough wicker are two of some of the best golden girls podcasts besides ours that you can listen to great wonderful plugs i'm gonna check them out yeah. um should we take a little break and then come back and dive in because i have so much i want to talk about i am so i've called this episode the slumber party episode and i'm so excited to talk about it let's go from the top okay I have to say, before you even start the first line or somewhere around the first line when roland talks about you know that stick his hands anywhere he wants. Remember, remember that line from the top of the episode? I, I I know that he won't stick his hand in a chicken to take yeah. out the giblets. And I literally thought to myself, I would let Roland stick his hand anywhere he wants. Even if it's just like my nostril. I have, I have in all caps later, I wrote, oh my God, H. Allen, Don Cheadle is doing push-ups. Are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> I was more interested in the sit-ups. So the thing I love about this opening is the real estate they spend on this joke wow. to come full circle. The I, first part of the episode is just such wasted real estate. It's wild to me. Oh, I don't think it's, here's what I think happened. I don't think it's wasted. I think the joke is so funny. And you know what? I'm not even going to explain it. We're just going to put it in right out the gate. We're going to put a clip okay. in here. Okay. It is so funny to me because you're going, where is this going? This has nothing to do with the entire episode, but it all starts with Roland not wanting to, he's in the kitchen and Chewy and Sophia are cooking. I still think they're wildly understaffed overall at this hotel. I'm going to have that note in every episode and forgive me everyone, (laughs) but I'm going to bring it up every time, Mm. but they need some help. And so Roland is in there, but he just, he doesn't want to stick his hand in the chicken to pull out the giblets respect. I understand. It's a very gross. It's gross. I mean, you know, you do it, but it's it's, part of cooking. If you love food and you love cooking, you got to do some gross things sometimes. Yeah. Um, but that leads into other things that Roland doesn't do. And then he just gets into a great story and the joke comes full circle and we're going to listen to it right now. Look, there's three things I don't do. Number one, I don't squish bugs. Number two, I don't answer guys in the bathroom when they ask, Hey, does this look normal to you? And number three, I don't stick my hand in dead chickens. What do you mean you don't squish bugs? I don't. I shoo them. <laughs> you shoo them? Hey, I just shooed one, too. 
let, let me understand this. If you saw a little spider, you wouldn't just squish it and flush it down the toilet? Mm -hmm. Oh, man, you're crazy. I'm crazy? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Okay. Let's say that you squish this spider and then you flush him down the toilet. Mm -hmm. But what if he's not really squished? And when you close your eyes and flush him down the toilet, he hides on the side of the bowl. <laughs> you know? Healing from this partial squish. <laughs> and then one night, when it's dark, and he's strong, he sit down. And when you are most vulnerable, he gets you. So? So then you're standing in the bathroom asking some guy, hey, d does this look normal to you? I'm so, it's funny, but I'm also, I'm like, why? Why? I loved it. I, to me, this is one of those things where it's like, having been in a writer's room, the writers are up. It's either w one writer who just like, they, they had their draft and they wrote this really long joke. It's like, it's like when everybody's like slapstick happy at like yeah. 11 o'clock at night in the writer's room. And they're like, this joke's way too long. And everybody's laughing and they're like, no, it's worth it. It's worth it. We have to leave it in. And then, <laughs> and then you get to the run through where the actors or the table read where the actors all read it around a table and it gets a big laugh. And they're like, see worth it. That to me was like, the writers being like deliriously giddy at 11 o'clock at night. Um, I can fully see that because I, I literally, my note for this bit, I mean, I had a lot of like, you know, thirsty reactions to everything Roland said, like him saying, you know, hey, does this look normal to you? Like I, that would probably be my pickup line to him in the bathroom just because I wouldn't know what else to say to Roland. Um, but I, my note after this whole bit was such a long buildup, such a long buildup. I just wrote so much real estate, but totally worth it. Um, so one thing that, again, I don't love stories. Again, I don't love stories that are that that are really centered around the business aspect of I the hotel. Either. When the problem either. is about, oh no, like a problem that's related to the business of the hotel. I love it when it's personal problems between yeah. our characters, but fine. But I understand in a, if you if you have a show set in a hotel or any sort of work, it's a workplace. Essentially, this is a workplace comedy now. I know. I'm like it's going to be the workplace. I know. So um, there the are. The though did it amazingly well. I will say the the yeah the one sitcom that does the balance of the workplace comedy with the personal in a really mm. personal way was the yeah. Yeah. Um, so the, the problem this week is that the hotel is booked with lawyers because there's a lawyer convention. I Googled it. These do exist. Oh, yeah, they exist. And there's going to be an overlap for one night because Rose also booked judges because there's yeah. a judge convention, Literally, I think, well, also note, in town. <laughs> my note for this bit was the entire the entire episode basically rests on that Rose red her calendar upside down. It's literally the entire episode rests on the number six being turned upside down. Mm -hmm. Which, but but what a funny joke where she's like, like, oh, this the salmon are swimming upstream now instead of downstream. And she's like, why did they look horny? Which the, the bit before this, I it, oh gosh. The chicken finger bit. Can we talk about chicken fingers? First? Yes. So Ro yeah, so Blanche gets a call um, from a man in the room and a he lawyer. only received a lawyer. He only received seven chicken fingers instead of eight. And there are eight in an order. And Blanche says, I will be happy to give you the finger. And she's going to send up. She sends Oliver up with a single chicken finger to his room. I love when she said that. 
I mean, and that got such a big, like uh, that even got, I think, an applause break of, of. It was a good joke. I mean, was it though? I, don't I thoroughly enjoyed it. That I said, think it was her delivery too. It was. It was fully her delivery. And we. I want to see Rue McClanahan give someone the finger 1000%. That said, all I could think about was my favorite chicken fingers. And when I get angry at Carl's Jr., when I order the four piece chicken tenders, and one of them is so small, it's basically like a half tender. So really I get three and a half chicken tenders, but how am I gonna fight it? Because technically I got four, but one is like a nub of a chicken tender. It's, it can't, a tender has to be minimum three inches. Don't you think? Like, yeah, sorry. I just, anytime minimum. we talk about measurement of things that are phallic related, I'm sorry. I, no, but it's true. I, have a, I mean, I, have a I would love people to sound off in the comments of this episode about the length of the minimum of what a chicken tender, not a chicken nugget. A mm-hmm. nugget is fine. They can be small, round, large, whatever. I feel like, like a tender has got to be at least four, maybe five inches. I, I support that. Five inches is getting to a point where then it's becoming very phallic and possibly not stable. It wouldn't be able to. But then is it not a minute. chicken tender? Is it a strip then? Is it's, it a chicken strip? Oh, wow. Now, see, to me, a chicken tender and a chicken strip are one in the same. Interesting. I, I see them as one and the same. Guys, this is a podcast about the Golden Girls. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm anyway, reeling I, us back in. I'm I, reeling I, us back I, in. Chicken tenders. Also, a- I really want I really want an artist out there. Mike Dennison, I know we always call on you, but I really want someone to make a scenes from St. Olaf calendar based on Rose's oh, stories. Mike would be great at that. Um, uh, Kevin Klein, who. Oh my gosh. Great. Kevin Klein. Kevin yes. Klein had a great where's Waldo mural. I think at the beginning of the pandemic, we, um, we had, I showed that off on a live or something we did. I look uh, at it. It's hanging. It's framed hanging in yeah, my I have place. It. I look at it every day. I have it framed in my, in my drag room as well. Yeah. Um, okay. So then in walks a very tall man, uh, to the hotel named Ruben, um, who's looking for a job as a chef. This actor is played by, uh, a man named Gregory Sierra, who I actually thought he was the actor who played father Guido Sarducci, but he is not the actor who played father Guido Sarducci on like Saturday night live. As soon as he, that's, yes, I do love that character. Um, as soon as he walked in, I thought, why didn't they get Chong? Wait, which one is Chia? Chewie and Chong. Tommy Chong, yeah. Why didn't they get Chong? Like, I don't, like, that would have been a perfect stunt casting moment. He may not have wanted to do it. I know they've also, I think they've had some, like, rifts between the two of them, maybe, oh, over yeah, the years, Cheech and Chong. Um, um, but here's... This was maybe I wrote, I have a lot of my caps lock was on. I was feverishly typing <laughs> for this part. This man named Ruben hands Blanche's resume. And he's like, yeah, I'm looking for a job. I'm a chef, whatever. Now I know that the hotel is busy, but Blanche glances at his resume and yeah. she's like, yeah, hi, at kitchens that way. Go find Chewy as a business owner not calling references, not doing a proper interview, not asking this guy to cook you a meal like you did when auditioning Jake. I mean, that when Jake came by, that was a one-time gig for a banquet. Like this is for your hotel business. You have a financially vested interest in this hotel succeeding and you just glance at it and you're like, kitchen's that way. I support that. I support that. Mm -hmm. But also if I was her, I would watch Jake cook. 
and just watch those Why arms, not hire Jake muscly arms just like you know squeeze the tongs to pick up to rotate the chicken that I that would be that tenders would be. or strips oh that's right they're the same yeah. <laughs> so this guy this very tall man named Ruben he goes into the kitchen and Chewy immediately sees him and he says get it's out of my kitchen before off. I cut your ears off wow because Very- this is the man who slept with Chewie's wife <laughs> and apparently didn't have the decency to tell him because Chewie had to learn about it via graffiti, even though they were like best childhood friends. Um, but Sophia's got a really great joke where she goes, you sure it's as yes, you want to cut off? Ah, literally the whole time I was thinking when he said he would like, you know, kill him. I was thinking, I'm not kidding. That's all <laughs> I was thinking. Never gets old. <laughs> have you ever... It's such an interesting. Have you ever bre- loved somebody? Sorry. Oh, I thought you were going to sing "Have You Ever" by Brandy because that's a great one. Um, how many times? Like, what? A, it feels like that type of threat was written just for the joke. Because how many times have you been like, "Hey, you get out of here before I cut your ears off"? Yeah, me. I, literally in this moment, I thought, "Well, that's like me at Walgreens. If I see someone that I don't want to see or that I'm angry at, I will hide in like the tampon aisle if I have to. Like, I will." I won't even confront them. I will go out of my way to hide. So if I was chewing in the situation, I would either just walk away or I would attempt to hide behind the counter. I would, I would find you because I'm always in the tampon aisle. <laughs> if you're ever running away from me, just so you know, um, you know, you look for deals. You always need them. Oh, no, just kidding. I do a subscription service now. It's called Lola. They're organic. It's great. Oh, nice. um, so. Uh, Not sponsored, but should be. <laughs> I know. So Ruben reveals that he's just there to talk to Chewie. It's clear that um, he's probably tried to get in touch with him like over yeah. the years and maybe, I mean, I guess we don't know how long ago this happened, but it's very clear that, um, you know, Chewie has managed to keep him shut out. Oh, the emotions like, are so, so I raw. Ass- I would assume it's recent. And he goes something like, well, you can't because he tries to fire him. Basically, well, yeah, he's like, "Hey, you have you have to, you know." He's like, "You can't kick me out because I work here now." And he's like, "I'm gonna fire you." And he's like, "No, ma- you can't because there are new laws and you can't fire me without cause." And Chewie's like, "By now, they're in the dining room." Chewie's like, "What are you gonna do? Sue me? Who's gonna take that case?" And of course, all the lawyers raise their hands. The lawyers, um, it just. <sighs> Yeah, I it's, know. but it's just such a crappy thing for this. Like Chewie is clearly avoiding you for some reason. And instead of just like confronting him, you know, where he works, instead yeah. of confronting him outside of the business, you go into the business where like, you could uh, have a confrontation and Chewie could get fired. But wouldn't like wouldn't uh, clashing like employees be cause for firing? Like if you, if you go in to, or if you're fighting, with an employee or you're causing problems or distress for another employee, I would probably say that that would be cause for firing. I mean, I don't know. I don't ever want to be a boss. I am not a boss. I am a boss of my cat. And that is it. I'm just, I'm sorry. I'm just really, I'm really upset about what Ruben did. Um, (laughs) No, I'm sorry. I was, uh, I had to text Stan about baby Oreo. She's been napping for too long. I don't know how long do you wake a baby if they've been napping for a long time. I don't know. So yeah, I don't, yeah, it's, it's, the way that he's going about it. And honestly, even the resolution of this, um, uh, even the resolution of this, I'm like, it doesn't really feel earned. The whole storyline feels very unnecessary. And it feels like every, everything that happened in this episode, the first, what, 12 minutes of this episode was a payoff for the last 10 minutes of the episode, which is pretty standard in sitcoms. But this one in particular, it felt like they were forcing 
everything they could to make the last 10 minutes make sense. When in reality, it doesn't really make any sense, Mm. but I loved it. The last 10 minutes of this episode are like within the Golden Girls canon now of just gold moments. I did want, and I mean, we'll get to it. I'll talk about it when we get there, but the resolution between Chewie and Ruben to me, like I just, I wanted something more. Um, But anyway, so uh, another thing that has gone wrong this weekend, besides Ruben confronting Chewie and besides, you know, the booking of the, the overlapped booking of the judges and the lawyers is that the hotel's liability insurance was canceled because Rose- because Rose covered the pool before everyone was out of it. Which is and so funny. Th- they had to, they even had to repaint the side of the pool because of the scratch marks. Like that's so terrifying it, to me. It feels like, I mean, it feels like a scene out of a so, horror movie. It's like, so dark. But what's funny is it reminded so dark. me, it reminded me of the moment where the exploding mice or something in Golden, there was a, there was a St. Olaf story that involved a mouse or her squeezing her cat no it was her squeezing her cat um so hard when she was a kid or something that story it reminded me of that because there are moments where sometimes it's like oh wow rose is dark i think it was um i think it was when like mice were mating with a bigger animal and maybe they were exploding like i think there's also a story where she talks about petting her cat too hard but yes, the Golden Girls. Yeah, oh, yes. Out. She did say that she would pet cats too hard because that's yeah. something that I used to do when I was a kid. I'd get overexcited just like Rose and pet yeah. cats too hard and also blow out other kids' birthday candles. I mean, some dark. So- <laughs> I have videos, my my home movies. Like there's a year, my cousin Dave's birthday. I know I've talked about this on the podcast where I blow out his candles because my grandma <laughs> had her video camera. She got it when I was four. And then the next year, He's, they're about to sing happy birthday and they say, let's move Carrie to the end of the bench. <laughs> <laughs> there is nothing funnier <laughs> than someone blowing out someone else's birthday candles. There's a scene in an upcoming uh, miniseries, NBC miniseries. I only know this because I watched the early uh, episodes of it. Um, it's a, it's called The Thing About Pam and it stars Renee Zellweger. It's a true story about Pam mm-hmm. Hupp who was a serial killer in my hometown of St. Louis, Missouri, these past few years. And great story, really great, really great miniseries. You should listen to my conversation with Renee Zellweger on the new Parting Shot podcast from Newsweek. Um, Very exciting. Official plug. But there is a scene in the miniseries, the thing about Pam, where she they're having a birthday party for her like mom, who's just like a crazy woman. And Pam, who Renee Zellweger plays, just blows out her mom's birthday candles because the mom refuses to bend down and blow them out, which I, I had not laughed so hard. Because <laughs> it's really such a, funny. It's such a funny power move of someone who's impatient, which is I relate to very much. Mm, yeah, mine was not out of impatience. Mine was just excitement. I, excitement, uh, selfishness. I, I don't know. It, you and Rose it, have a lot in common. I, I just I think I had a, a like in a compulsive need to blow out candle. Yeah. I don't know. I was, I was a but weird kid. This does, speaking of a St. Olaf story, this does lead to Rose um, sharing a St. Olaf story to try to resolve this sort mm-hmm. of booking or insurance problem that they have. at. Oh, uh, you mean the big monkey trial of 1945? Yeah. <laughs> yes. So, um, okay. Yes. So yeah. Blanche announces like this, the hotel liability insurance was canceled. Um, but Rose. Wild. That is a just, horrible business. Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, Rose is like, no worries. I know how we're going to uh, 
well, she hasn't yet told the other women about the liability insurance, but Rose in the meantime has found a problem to one of their other problems issues is that um, she knows how they're going to accommodate the judges and the lawyers, which is that the girls will all double up and sleep together, which is where we get a great slumber party scene. So reminiscent of golden girls. I'm so excited for that. And Roland, Chewie and Oliver will share a room. And then they're going to put a lawyer and a judge to share a room they're going to force them like, first of all, why not just pair judges with judges and lawyers with lawyers? Cause then at least maybe you're going to like bunk in with someone, you know, yeah. but also imagine checking into a hotel and you're just so excited. Oh, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to go up to my room tonight. I'm going to watch a little bit of TV. I'm going to have some alone time, whatever, yeah. because I'm, I'm here on business. Like yeah, this is even a pleasure trip. And then you check in and they go, oh, by the way, you're going to have to share your room with a stranger. Oh, that would never and happen. And then, so that like, I would, I would not stay there. I would leave all the bad Yelp reviews. And then, <laughs> and then later, like when they're unable to convince a lawyer to bunk in with a judge, Blanche just goes like, well, we'll give you a free room. Like what's the point of having the hotel all booked up. If they're not going to make any money, you would actually yeah. do better just canceling on someone. Cause now yeah. you're not making any money. Like oh, no wonder also, this show only lasted one season because these women are terrible business owners. But also, I mean, I've had this situation where I remember once I was going to New York. This was after I lived there. I was going to New York and I was staying at the Pennsylvania hotel or something. It was like in midtown area and they had overbooked or booked my room or something happened with my room. And they had sister hotels or like hotels that because they, they weren't a chain, but they had other hotels they had relationships with. Yeah, or that, the same owners or something. Yeah, that then they could be like, oh, well, you go down to this hotel, we'll put in a call and then you can get a free room here or something on your next day or something. Like they would accommodate because it it's like an airline. Like if you're putting someone out, you have to give them something to make them happy, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah the whole the whole situation, but it did lead to one of my favorite lines in the episode after Rose's uh, St. Olaf story where Blanche is like, what in the hell does this story mean? Like she had no idea how it would mm-hmm. be her problem. So and- oh, it's, I love it when a, um, I love it when a St. Olaf story is, yeah, it's like, yeah, you're like, what, what's the point? And then she gets to the point and it's amazing That's where, um, punchline. So, oh gosh, I just, I, I just wrote down a couple things about the big monkey trial of 1945. Um, I'll I'll do the punchline. So, uh, so (laughs) it was a big, it was a big case in St. Olaf and, uh, the courtroom was so crowded that people had to sit on each other's laps. Um, I don't remember it with like a a law and order theme. Maybe I don't, I don't remember what the monkey did. It was so, I have already have so many notes, but I just wrote the monkey was found guilty of intelligence. So the town shaved him. But Mrs. Ingevar, I think who owned the monkey became rich because she would take him to like traveling circuses and pass yeah. him off as the man from Mars. Yeah. And then after that whole story, yeah, Blanche says, what's the point? And, and then, then Rose says, if you want to make some money, shave your monkey, which <laughs> I, like that to me is there's so many double entendre lines of, of moments of that line that you could do. I mean, I got very dirty when I heard her say shave. Your oh, mind. I did too. And, and which I think was the intent of the line. Um, it It's such a perfect, perfect line that makes no sense, but it is so funny. It was so good. And then she's like, what, but like, what, what does that mean? And Rose is like, oh, just that, you know, the courtroom was crowded. We all had to double up. So that's what we'll do. We'll double up and all like sleep in the same beds anyway. Yeah. So that's what it's she no did. Sense, it was amazing. Yeah. 
Um, so then we go back into the kitchen with Chewy and Ruben, Ruben, who's still working there. Um, and we learned that, you know, there were friends who grew up together. Um, and then when, uh, Chewy and his wife, Dolores were separated, I guess like Ruben went over there to like, talk to Dolores to tell her how Chewy felt. And they just ended up sleeping together. It just happened. You call her. (sighs) You do not go yeah, over or don't there. go over there. Or like, like, yeah. was he going behind Chewie's back? No, like, don't get in the middle her. of it, dude. I have a friend going through a breakup right now. And that the person they broke up with potentially might be at a show of mine tomorrow um, because they're very eager to like stay friends with this friend. And I am literally like, yeah, bring them. Have them have the audacity to show up to my show and see what I'll do. Like that I would, I think I'm Chewie in this situation where mm-hmm. I would, I'll get even. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like, so then, you know, um, this dude clearly wants to be forgiven and, um, Blanche, this ends up sort of being a little runner that I absolutely love. Chewy asks Blanche, he's like, if you found out your bet, if you found your best friend in bed with someone you loved, wouldn't you be mad? (laughs) And Blanche is like, well, it would depend on the circumstances. Maybe they'd been to a dance. Maybe they both had too much to drink. Maybe he just said he was going to show me his appendix scar. Stop judging me. Stop judging me. I felt, I think in a weird way, this made me think in that scene, in her response, it made me think that like, so the Golden Girls at this point was in heavy rotation on like Lifetime and in reruns and stuff. But I don't think that the fan community was as strong as it is today. You know, mm-hmm. the nostalgic fan community was as strong as it is today because to me that line had an opportunity where Blanche could do a callback line to the Golden Girls where she could say, well, set the scene. I mean, what have we been doing? You know what I no, mean? Like, oh, well, set the scene. Have we been drinking? Yeah, oh, it could have been a wonderful sort of like inside baseball line that only hardcore fans would get. That would be so exciting for us to hear. So exciting. I loved it. It made me laugh so hard. Yeah. Um, so well, but um, this, when they uh, when, do you have anything else to say about this bit? Because the end of this bit is what really killed me. Um, is it about the crowns? No, it wasn't about the crayons. It's about the music they played as they went into the next scene after. Oh, that. okay. It's no. like serious music to end. Like, well, go, go on, go on, go on. So, um, so Ruben, so to go back to like Ruben and Chewie for a second, um, he's trying, Ruben's trying to like play on like the nostalgia of their friendship and stuff. And he's yeah. like remembering the first day that they met in class and, um, I guess like Ruben stole Chewie's crayons and Chewie's like, yeah. first my crayons, then my wife, everything I love to play with. And which <laughs> I thought was line. funny, but line. he's like, I don't want to be friends with you because you're a thief. And it's like, yeah, I don't know. I, I just, they're stretching I, it. <sighs> they're stretching it. They're trying to give, this was like contractually, they had to give like uh Cheech and a full episode with a storyline. And this is the one they gave him. And it's, it's, it's struggle. It's struggle. Well, well, when we get to the end, I'll tell you what my, my sort of my issue was with it when we get sort of to the apology part, but you know, the lawyers are at the hotel. We haven't yet met the judges. No. And this is when the judges come into the hotel Yeah, and are they actual judges? Like, what's their no, it's deal? Like a, it's like a bike crew that, like, in a tongue-in-cheek way, name themselves the judges. The judges. Like a motley crew of middle-aged bikers. So they're bikers. They're like Hell's Angels. And yeah. um, they come in. And again, I loved 
Angel of Death, this actor played by a man named Christopher Collins, who did a lot of voiceover work, like G.I. Joe and stuff, a lot of like villains. Anyway, he comes in and he's like, I spoke with the woman named and he looks at his hand and he goes, Rose. And I just thought that was such a fun detail. Um, They gave this guy a lot of bits in this episode. Oh, they gave him. I mean, they gave him. He was was in a scene without any of the girls in that rarely happens when he you have the other a lawyer scene. that he has to I share a room with it's wild and that after is big two too. guest stars in the same scene yeah um anyway because that's how funny he was um so anyway all of these uh bikers are here and obviously the women they don't have their liability insurance and um the lawyer one of the lawyers the the sort of main one that they call out in this episode he's like um they're like you know oh you don't want to stay here anymore do you and he's like oh i'm staying but if anything happens to me this hotel is mine yeah and then and then there's an axe break but blanche she does the weirdest like traipsing away she like oh. she, the way she rewatched the scene the way she walks away from them i'm like what is she doing that is an interesting choice as an actor interesting i didn't see that all i noticed was the serious music that played them off and i'm like that wait that to me should have been funny i don't get what <laughs> i don't understand this episode this at that moment and at the end of this scene is when this episode switched from being bonkers like to this is where the episode became nostalgic, like a hug. Like when it went to the next scene and you see the three girls in the same mm-hmm. bed, I, I, I screamed. I literally. Rose, I, thanks I, for the prayer. <laughs> I now shut up and get into bed. Because it's such a callback to something we love to see from the golden girls. I mean, it makes yeah. me miss Dorothy, but like. I wrote that too. Uh, I wrote this yeah. makes me miss Dorothy. Because Dorothy really sort of led those bed scenes in a lot of ways. Dorothy and Rose really led those bed mm-hmm. scenes, but. Sophia too. I feel like yeah, Sophia, Sophia always with like, yeah. always with the cold feet. The cold feet was a callback. Um, I loved Oh my gosh, I love this so there's much. Um, there's two clips I want to play. One is from the the clip at the very beginning of this episode when they get into this bed. I mean, just their dialogue alone is just so, so funny. All right, I was going to, Leah, I think we should play it. When did work become so hard? We have to worry about every little detail. Did the laundry deliver all the sheets? Did I get all the keys back from the guests? Did you check for swimmers before you covered the pool? <laughs> exactly. Excuse me. I mean, it's just, it's nonsense, but it's just so, I just love hearing them in the same bed talking to each other. I just, Rose getting up and leaving the bed because like, dear God, she left, she covered the pool when people were in it again. Like so (laughs) funny. Also, can we talk about, I mean, I usually am drawn to, to Blanche's evening wear, but in this episode, I am drawn to Rose's evening wear. She has upped. I mean, I feel like maybe it's a departure from what we had normally had Rose in because Rose was in very sort of like dowdy, like comfort clothes when she slept. But this is like a looks like a silk pajamas with roses on them. Very high end for Rose. I get the rose. Um, (laughs) It was like what's funny is that Rose covering the pool with people still inside talk about a nightmare when you've lost your liability insurance. Yeah. This is the reason why they lost it. I know it was played for a joke. It was very funny, but um, so now we're in the boys room. Yeah. How it's many, sort of a, it's sort of a montage of 
you know, slumber party scenes, these next few. Oh yeah, we go back and forth and back and forth. Um, Or in the boys' room and they're all getting ready for bed and Oliver is pitching a tent, pun intended. Poor Oliver. Oliver has had two things to do in this episode. He brought a chicken finger up to a room and he finished building a tent was like, I'm going to go sleep in the tent while Chewie and Roland had an entire conversation. I feel like they were really struggling to figure out what to do with this character. Yeah, And that's something I really would love to, because Mark Sotkin, I think led a lot of the writing of, of golden palace and Mark Sotkin has been a guest on this podcast. And I would love to have a conversation with him about how they handled the character of Oliver, because it's a, it's a, it seems like there's a complicated way of explaining Oliver's existence and they need his bedroom because we've never seen Roland's bedroom to my dismay. Well, we don't know whose room they're in. Do well, we? No, they're in Oliver's room. Oh, they're there. Okay. Yeah, they're in Oliver's room. I think what ends up happening is you don't want a child present for a lot of these adult conversations because he can't really contribute anything. And I think the first few episodes, they were doing a lot of episodes of like him and Sophia scheming for money. Of course. And that's all. And now they just, they don't really, they're not totally, it feels like they're not totally sure what to do with him at this point, which I think is a shame because I think he's so charming and such a fun addition. Yeah. Such a talented little actor. Um, so uh they're working out which you know it, well they start to get to bed and they decide to you know they're wait no that's in the next scene they're working out not this scene sorry no the, in this scene they're in this scene they're working out um yeah. and and like chewy it, roland is actually working out and chewy is not he's pretend he's on the other side of the bed grunting pretending to work out just eating pie he that calls julia child a porker which i did not like i, did I will not like say though joke. he does i know she's not a porker at all but i will say i do stand by chewy's assessment that chefs need to have some weight on them i when i see and i'm this is not a body shaming thing at all but i will say if i watch like a skinny, skinny chef on television, make a delicious meal. I'm skeptical of it because I'm like, well, I would eat that whole bowl. Like where, like, I want to see you indulge here. Like I want to see, like, there's something about it. I don't know. And that is, it's, it's purely a bias that we have. If you think this way, I know there's many people who think this way, but I'm definitely one of them where I'm like, you need a little bit of meat on you to be like, to be taken seriously as a chef. Cause you can't not eat. Well, you can still eat and be, and, and not people have metabolisms that they can or they just work out they they yeah. work out and they're you know, know they they watch their nutrition i yeah i get it i get it but like you know the guy fiari i want him eating every what's his name this is a fiari fiari how do you say Fie- his name fieri okay well i'm never gonna say it that way guy say with me <laughs> guy guy fieri. fieri is it really fieri? Fieri? yeah or guy fieri if you want to be all yeah, that's his name. Guy Fieri. Yeah. Oh, but you're saying it in like an Italian way. Oh, well, I think that's how he says it. I'm Guy really? Fieri and this is Diners, Drive-Ins and Dives. I didn't even know he was Italian. I just thought he went to diners. What What are those two things aren't mutually exclusive? Well, I mean, I, I would assume he'd make Italian food or something if he loves being Italian so much. Like he'd make Italian stuff like that would be his thing. But no, because he's not doing like an Emeril Lagasse. He's doing a diners thing. Emeril well, Lagasse is Italian. He's Italian. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is too much time when talking about chefs. Um, so, so Roland is like Chewie. Chewie's confiding in Roland. He's like, "Hey, how how am I supposed to forgive this guy?" 
And Roland is like, I don't know, man, but carrying around this anger is killing you. I miss the old Chewie. And I'm like, dude, Ruben's been there for like a day, first yeah, of all. Chewie has Second, not changed. Like, he has not changed a bit. And I wish, like, don't don't just tell him what to do. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess he's not. He's saying that he doesn't know what he should do. But, yeah, I don't know. And, and the whole then, bit rests on, like, on them getting and not intimate but they're getting like emotionally intimate in a scene where they're having a deep conversation yeah chewie's like you, and- you can't get that close to a man overnight and then roland rolls over and faces him and he's like yes you can if you just try and then they both like look at each other gay for panic. and they jump out of bed gay panic oh gay panic. i mean oh yeah I, but, but I will accept the gay panic because it shows me a scene with Roland in shorts. So I'm <laughs> fine with it. I'll accept and then, the homophobia for that. And then blow. Roland goes, you know what? You're right. You can't get close that. You can't get that close to a man overnight. And then we smash cut to the lawyer and angel of death singing Kumbaya in bed. And like, and then later he's giving him a tattoo that says born to litigate. The most unnecessary scenes, but yet so good. It was so funny. And this might be my modern eyes watching a sitcom from back in the day, but because I'm so used to smash cuts of like 30 Rock or, you know, any of these other Mm -hmm. shows, they're very quick. I mean, the bit becomes like, like like a brain callback to a moment in time where you see it for like a second and then you get back to the scene. And that's what I kind of wish this was. But other than that, it was it just it seemed to go on for a little too long. And I mean, the two but the two actors are funny. They're very it was very funny. I enjoyed it. Um, So then we jump back into the women's slumber party and they make a tent. Oh, my gosh. Rose sets up a tent and it's full on tent in the living room with the girl troop like obsessed. I'm. I I want to play another clip from I this because it's I wanted so this good. Well. Okay, yeah. let's let's play it. Let's play it. What in hell is that? <laughs> my feet. Oh, they're freezing. I know. So I figured I'd put them in the hottest place in Miami. <laughs> not without dinner and a movie first. <laughs> it's not like I'm walking where no man's walked before. I just had my favorite abominable snowman dream. I still feel chills. Those are Sophia's feet. Hi. Well, more them, lady. Sorry I woke you. I wasn't really asleep. I was just lying here thinking. You know, in my wildest dreams, I didn't think the hotel business was gonna be this hard. Well, actually, in my wildest dreams, I'm carried off to the jungle by a gorgeous man in a leopard skin loincloth. I absolutely, it's such a small thing. I absolutely love the way in the scene, um, I forget what leads up to it. Uh, oh, they say like, what's that? Like, what's so cold or whatever? It's Sophia's feet. Yeah. And Sophia just goes, hi. And I love the way <laughs> she says hi. I know, it, but sometimes it's, it's still getting makes these choices. Like in so the last episode. Oh, go ahead. Like, I, I think like in the last episode, she was like, oh, God, I wasn't kidding about like how like lonely or bored she was or something or she had nothing to live for. And it just like hurt. Some of her choices are just so funny. There's this great it's reminiscent. As soon as she said it, I thought of this. Um, there's this YouTube video or clip or something 
of Jennifer Coolidge and the video sort of pans up on her and they even put like dramatic music like the chromatica lady gaga music in it in one of them but the video sort of shows her outfit going from her feet up to her face and then it gets to jennifer coolidge's face and she just goes hi oh i have and seen that it's very so funny. funny i'll post it on the gram i'm also going to post so many of these slumber party scenes oh, on so the instagram and twitter because it's just they're so perfect so, okay, now we're going to get to the Chewy and Ruben resolution. And this is where Wait, I'm really just going to. Before we get to the resolution, yes. we have to talk about the Dorothy joke. Oh, okay. Yes, yes. Yeah, because like, so uh, so Estelle's going to, or Sophia is going to tell a scary story. And Rose is like, oh, we're too old for scary stories. We've heard them all. And then Sophia's like, I'm going to tell you the time that Dorothy quit smoking, I think she said. Yeah, this is called the day Dorothy quit smoking and all the and women literally, shudder. Blanche and Rose are like, oh, and get under the covers. And I was howling because it's like these moments, these moments, the slumber party moments are these little like little Easter eggs of Golden Girls love from past episodes of the Golden Girls are what we look for in the Golden Palace and in a mm -hmm. spinoff really of any show. And you want that sort of the nostalgic reminiscence of sort of that moment. And this just made me that that moment just made me so happy as a Golden Girls fan. And also just the fact that they mentioned Dorothy anytime they mention oh. her, I'm like, oh, um, yeah, that was I absolutely loved it. Um, so the next day, Ruben and Chewie are cooking together and Ruben announces that he's going to he's just going to quit and leave because Chewie's not talking to him. Yeah. And again, like if you're really trying to get this guy to forgive you, maybe don't like leave him in a lurch when no. they need help. Like yeah. this guy, this guy literally, he did not have to get a job there. He could have just talked to Chewy outside of the also, hotel. He knows where he works. This is a small thing, a small thing. I know, but all it's the only thing as this conversation was happening in the kitchen between Chewy and what's his friend's name? Roland? No, Ruben. Ruben. Yes. Um, all I was looking at was how Ruben is cutting the carrots. It is the most non-chef way of cutting carrots. Instead of putting the carrot on the cutting board and cutting them like, you know, you would a carrot, he's, he's taking them in his hand and he's like using his thumb with the knife on the edge of the knife to cut the carrot. Like the way you would like peel an apple? Yes, yes, exactly like the way you would peel an apple. But that's with like, Pairing scissors, like or parent. You don't want to do that. Well, that's with a peeler. Peeler, that. Thank you. He's using a a knife, a real knife, to cut this carrot, and he's using the edge of his thumb on the knife. And I, oh. I am a cook. We are cooks. We cook things. You and I. I was appalled at that moment, and that would be cause for firing, in my opinion. Mm, that's interesting. That would be just cause. Yeah. Is Ruben even a chef? No, Is I don't think Ruben's a chef. I will say I have a scar. I know you can't see it's too light. I don't have many scars, but I do have one scar on my pointer finger, mm. kind of where it like at the very bottom of my pointer finger. And it's because when I was a little kid, I was trying to cut carrot the long way down oh, the middle no, with no. like a steak knife. I was, I was like six oh. or seven and I, it slipped and it cut my hand. It oh. wasn't even that bad. It wasn't even that deep. It just happened to leave a scar. So it's if anybody knows how to not cut a carrot, it's me. And I can't believe I didn't even notice that. I think I was just, I was rage typing the whole time because Ruben gives Chewy a pack of crayons. Which is, I think was very cute. 
I liked it. No, 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 no. You didn't like it? I liked it. I didn't like it because this whole story is like, this guy just comes in and he's like, hey man, like, I'm sorry. Here's a pack of crayons. Let's be friends again. And he never like, Ruben, I don't think from my recollection of the episode, never really talked about like, like he said he was sorry, yeah. But it felt like he really went there because he needed Chewie to forgive him like for himself and that it wasn't actually about Chewie. Like there was nothing, there was nothing unexpected or revealed like emotionally in this episode, which is kind of what I was looking for. I was looking for some more emotion, like for Chewie to reveal, for Ruben to reveal to Chewie that like he was jealous of him his entire life because Chewie was always so great and successful and wonderful. And, and he did the worst thing. Yeah. Or for Chewie to like reveal to Ruben, hey man, you slept with my wife, but like even though we were separated, here's how that really damaged me. Yeah. That, like I was just looking for more of an emotional conversation between the two of them, like something that lets us as an audience get to know Chewie on a deeper level. But and see, that's what I was missing with just him giving him crayons. That it just, would never and then happen. he hugged him. That would never, because this is a 23 minute sitcom. If it was called the gritty golden palace, then it would be a drama where they would be able to have that conversation. No, emotion. you can have emotions in multicam sitcoms. But not between Chewy. Yeah. Yes. Chewy is a series regular on that show. Chewy and Roland are main characters that, with the women. Why? Because I don't care enough about Chewy for that to happen. Well, I, I do, Rose. and I was I want, missing it. I want Rose or Blanche or Sophia to bring Chewie to that. And I will say in this scene, there's another moment where I think that this hotel is a walking time bomb for Sophia. When she walks into the kitchen to get the, the, the shrimp salad or whatever she's getting, there's an onion on the ground right in front. She's walking towards an onion. She could trip and fall on that onion. Look, go back and look. When Sophia enters the scene, there is an onion on the ground. I will post picture evidence. This is my making a murderer. I will post a picture evidence of this hotel's trying to kill Sophia. Listeners, I know you cannot see this, but my mouth is a gape. I mean, I, I, I'm not one to see details like this. You know me. You're the CSI person. I am not CSI. I'm big picture. But whoa, I saw the onion and I immediately was like, are they Not only that, kill Sophia? Are they trying to kill Estelle Getty? God forbid that woman were to walk in and slip. I, I know. I what if the show loses their liability insurance? That's the show, everybody. Good night. It's been fun. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah. So this is this this mm. that Chewy resolves. Which I will say, I did like Blanche's sort of like going out line in the episode, where it's like, "I'm not a tramp. I'm not a tramp," which. I found that enjoyable. Oh, I absolutely love that. Yeah. She goes, um, uh, let's see. Oh yeah. Blanche says, um, uh, where is it? Oh, I have it in my day. If a man caught his wife in the embrace of another man, he would No, Sorry. Is that Chewy who said that? No, I, 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 no, I think it's Blanche. Blanche in my day. If a man caught his wife in the embrace of another another man he would never forgive him not even for something as innocent as a new year's eve kiss with an old friend of the family i had known for years stop judging me i'm not a tramp i'm not a tramp <laughs> which oh. i mean is a line that i am going to save as audio and send like i will have that be a reaction i want stop um, judging me stop judging me yeah um and yeah and she storms out and that's it um but the the tag of the episode 
is mm. it could have been funny. I mean, I will say <laughs> seeing Rose <laughs> or a stunt actress fall down some stairs <laughs> and then it just could have been stronger. But then at the end of the bit, having it be Sophia is the one pushing Rose down. Yeah, that was funny. But, but yeah, like the lawyer, the, the lawyer we've been seeing this whole time, he's like telling Blanche, he's like, yeah, you know, this job with the personal injury lawyers, you know, we're not in it for the money. And then Rose falls down the stairs and he yeah. like, all they, they all run over and he's like, here, you want to sue? I'll help you. She's like, I own the place. And then like a car crashes outside and they all run yeah. outside. It's like, Meh. Too much. Um, yeah, Too much. I didn't. Yeah, it could have been just mm-hmm. Sophia pushing Rose down down the stairs and yeah. have that have that be a scene with the girls, you know, because it's just it's that's a funny bit. Yeah, I honestly like because the again the 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 main story with the women was all about like, uh oh, we got to juggle some stuff with the business and no oh boy and yeah, the emotional story was meant to be between Chewie and Ruben. I just don't think it quite delivered the way I wanted it to me personally as a fan and viewer. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, should we take a break and then come back with our golden takeaway for this episode? Yes. Well, I've got a good one. Stick around. It's golden. So before we get to our golden takeaway, I would like to ask every listener to do us a little favor, something we haven't asked for in a while. Go wherever you pod and leave us a little rating and review. They're very helpful. Now that we've come back to regular episodes, that is a very helpful thing. It helps us show up in search engines and all these things. So go leave us a little, if you like what you're hearing, if you don't like what you're hearing, go ahead and leave the rating and review, but maybe choose your words a little wisely. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe don't call us gross. Well, no, specifically they called me gross, not you. So I will say. (laughs) I was trying to make you not feel bad by lumping myself into the comments. I don't feel bad. You can call me gross. It's fine. I don't think you're gross. I think you're lovely. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. But I also know that I'm not everyone's cup of tea and that's fine. Um, But the golden takeaway for this episode, the golden takeaway is a nugget of truth or inspiration that you can apply to your life or possibly the lives of our listeners, Carrie. What is your golden takeaway for this episode? My golden takeaway is that I think I want to take up needle pointing. Oh, what made you want that from this episode? It's so I can needle point a decorative sign. Yeah. And hang it very prominently in my living room. So it's the first thing people see when they come over to my place, if I ever allow humans inside again, and I'm going to needle point a little thing that says, if you want to make some money, shave your monkey. (laughs) Because, wow, what a beautiful piece of art to walk in and see in someone's home. Yeah, I think I, I agree. I agree. That is a wonderful golden takeaway. My golden takeaway from this episode is I don't know if there are anyone connected to these big studios that do these horror films. Like I think Blumhouse does horror films or whatever. The big production companies that do the big horror films, because a scene in a horror film should exist of someone diving into a pool, enjoying it. They're underwater. They're, they're swimming. They're just in heaven because they're weightless underwater. And then they come up and they can't get out of the water because oh, someone covered the top of the pool. That I believe that is in a horror movie. Oh, is it? Is it in 
it's not in it follows is it i can't remember there is a horror movie where there's like an automatic or maybe it's like a scream or and i know you did last summer like one of the later ones okay i believe there is a horror movie where someone's swimming and the automatic pool cover it's green i remember oh i need to find that oh or wait hold on is it in is it in an m night Shyamalan movie I mean, there is it a might pool. Be in, the lady in the water. No, it's, it's glass. Oh my gosh. What's the first one with Bruce Willis and Samuel L. Jackson? Oh, I don't glass know. is the sequel. I believe everybody's screaming right now because, um, yeah, it's I only called watch Bruce Willis films where he's naked. I don't know what that film is. Hold on. Color it's... of Money is the one where he shows his Willie and it, it, um, it changed me as a child. It was like my early Roland. If you will, it uh, it was it was a it was, but Sarah Paulson's in those movies too, right? Oh, Unbreakable. Unbreakable. Okay. Unbreakable. That was the prequel to Glass. There's a pool scene scene in that one. I'm actually not 100 percent sure. Okay, we'll look for it, and if by the time this episode goes up and find it, we'll post about it. But if you're listening and you know this moment in cinematic history that Carrie is referencing, please let us know in the comments because I would like to see it. I think Rose foreshadowed it. Rose's actions foreshadowed it. Um, and and that is my golden takeaway. That is a great that is a great opportunity for script writing for a horror film writer. Yes, agreed, even though they've yeah. already done it. Um, <laughs> I think I could also be just dreaming it. Um, so that was this week's episode. Uh, and uh, next week we will be watching the episode Can't Stand Losing You. Oh, I hope they don't use Miles in the Hulu picture again because I don't think they do. Triggering. Yeah. Okay, guys, make sure you go listen. You can listen to us on Hoo-Ha-Ha. We are obviously on Hoo-Ha-Ha Network. Wonderful. You can download the app. You can download it on your Apple TV and then listen to us on your Apple TV, which is like awesome and lovely. Um, so please go follow Hoo-Ha-Ha everywhere. You can also follow Out on the Lanai on social media at Twitter, Golden Girls Pod, Instagram, out on the Lanai official, where we do most of our stuff. So if you're looking to DM us or do something, go to Instagram, because that's probably the best way to find us. And on Facebook at Golden Girls Pod. And I am H. Allen Scott and Sadie Pines on everything. And I'm Squidzy on Instagram and Squid Eat Squid on Twitter. Still not on the TikTok. <laughs> I am on the TikTok, but I just post clips and stuff of stuff. I don't post anything about me, really. I should. I'll post them with Sadie. That's what I'll do. Um, but remember, as always, stay golden. golden. I that up. I should say, as always, remember, but you guys know it. Stay golden, everyone. Stay golden. Thank you all for listening. We love you so much. Call